Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome to the Inner Life here on this Monday, the fifth week, Monday of the fifth week of Lent. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond. And today we're going to talk about reading the Bible. How often do you pick up your Bible and read it? Do you have a favorite book in the Bible or maybe a favorite story? Maybe you have a favorite verse, something that's special to you for whatever reason. Is the Bible dry and boring maybe for you? Is it difficult to get into a routine where you're reading your Bible? Do you want to read the Bible and you're not sure where to start? Well, when I was seven years old, I was at an event at a church that was over in the next town from where I lived. I I didn't grow up Catholic, but at this uh, church, they held a Wednesday night group for children and teens every week. And I'd attended a few times in the past. And this particular evening, there was a man who spoke to all the kids about a story in the Bible. He told us the story of Esther. I'd never heard of Esther before. This man, this speaker, he explained how she was a young Jewish woman living in a land where there was a foreign king. The king's name was Artaxerxes. And Artaxerxes was looking for a queen and had sent word throughout all of his kingdom to have all the beautiful young unmarried girls brought before him to be considered as his future queen. Now, a man named Mordecai had a cousin named Esther. Esther's parents had died, and Mordecai had helped raise Esther. And he thought that she should present him or herself before the king to be considered as his new queen. And she did this, and Artaxerxes chose her as his queen. Now, Mordecai had told Esther not to share with anyone, not even the king, that she was a Jew or that she was related to Mordecai. And this was wise on Mordecai's part because there was a man who was close to the king. It was his second in command, and he didn't like Mordecai. And by extension, because Mordecai was a Jew, he didn't like any Jewish people. This man's name was Haman. And so we've got our four people now. We've got uh, the king Artaxerxes, we've got Esther, we've got her cousin Mordecai, and we've got Haman. Haman hated Mordecai because Mordecai... Every time he walked by him, Mordecai wouldn't bow down or show any respect to Haman. He hated Mordecai so much that he actually petitioned Artaxerxes to set a date in the coming months where anyone in the kingdom could kill any Jewish people in their realm. And so the king, he listened to Haman's request and made it a decree in the kingdom. Now, when Mordecai found out about this, he spoke privately to Esther and said that she really needed to go to Artaxerxes on their behalf. But the biggest problem here is that no one was allowed to go in and see the king unless they were called by him. And the king had not called for Esther at this point for about a month. On top of this, if anybody entered the inner court without being called, they would end up being put to death unless the king held out a golden scepter that he had with him. If he held out that golden scepter, then the person would be allowed to live. 
So here I am. I'm seven years old, and I'm listening to this story. And the man who's telling it, he's giving a lot more details about Esther and Artaxerxes and Mordecai and Haman, uh, more than I am. I'm trying to, you know, simplify this down. But he's really building up the drama. And he comes to this point where Esther's faced with the choice uh, she can enter the court of Artaxerxes and very likely die for entering when she isn't called by the king, or she can do nothing. She can just uh, say, I- I'm going to be quiet, but then she'll watch her people die. And if it's d- discovered that she's a Jew, then she might die herself. And so the man's telling this story. You know what he says? At seven years old, I had no idea this was coming. He said, I'll tell you the rest of the story next week. And I couldn't believe it. My eyes, I'm sure they went wide. I'm sure my jaw dropped open. And I was sitting there just hanging onto this story. Wait, you can't do this to me. Was Esther going to live? Is she going to, what's going to happen? Is she going to muster up the courage to go in and speak to the king? Well, I won't make you wait until next Monday for the rest of the story. The best way for you to find out about this story is to read it in the Bible yourself. But uh, just to sum up what happens, Esther, she prays, and then she goes in and sees the king. And Artaxerxes, he's delighted to see her. He extends the golden scepter. He receives her. Her life is spared. And he says, what do you want? I'll give you up to half of my kingdom. What do you want, Esther? It's so nice to see you. And so she invites the king and Haman to dinner that evening. And at the dinner, the king then says, okay, you know, we're here for dinner. What do you want? And she says, well, come back for dinner tomorrow night, and then I will tell you what I want. And I'll present my request to you. After that dinner the first night, Haman, he goes out. He's feeling great, and he's happy. He's just been invited to a private dinner with the king and the queen. But on his way home, he passes Mordecai. Mordecai refuses to bow or show any respect And Haman gets home, and he's just burnt up over this. He tells his wife about the dinner, how the queen had invited only him and the king. And in spite of all that, seeing Mordecai there not bowing down before him as he passes, he can't be happy about anything else. All the other things that might be going great in his life, he can't be happy about any of them. So his wife says, well, maybe you should build a gallows, and you can hang Mordecai. You've got that date coming up. So uh, she says, don't just build any gallows. Build one that's enormous, 75 feet tall. And so Haman, he gets people working on this immediately. Now that night, that same night, Artaxerxes, the king, can't sleep. And so he has one of his servants read the history of his life. I guess when you're a king, the history of your life is the best thing that you can listen to. And so he's listening to the past events throughout his life. And there's this point where Mordecai has discovered a plot to kill the king and by exposing it, he saves Artaxerxes' life. And so the king says, has anybody, anything ever been done to reward Mordecai for his service? It turns out nothing had, be done, had been done. And so the next morning, the king calls in Haman and says, Haman, what should be done for somebody that the king likes and appreciates? I want to honor somebody. Haman thinks, well, he must be talking about me. Who else could he be talking about? So Haman says the king should take one of his robes and take one of his crowns, place it on the man, put the man on a horse, and have one of the king's noble men lead him through the square of the city, proclaiming, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Artaxerxes loves this. He says this is a great idea, and tells Haman, Do exactly everything you said for Mordecai, and you be the one to lead the horse through the city. And so you've got Haman, who's humiliated even further now, having to lead Mordecai through the city, shouting that proclamation. And then that night, Haman goes along, and he joins the king and the queen again for dinner. Artaxerxes says, all right, we're here for dinner for the second time. 
what's your request? What do you want, Esther? And this time she says, my people and I are set to be killed. I want, my lives to, I want our lives to be spared. The king is astounded and outraged and says, who would dare to do such a thing? Esther points and says, it's this wicked man, Haman. And at this point, everything falls apart for Haman now. The king goes out into his garden. He's furious. He just needs to, to cool off. And so he goes out to walk. But while the king is outside, just for a few minutes, then at that point, Haman is trying to figure out how he can save his life. And he comes over to Esther. She's on a couch. And as he's coming over, he stumbles and he falls onto the couch. And as he falls, that's right at the moment that the king walks back in. And the king, he says, you're going to assault the queen right in my own house? And right as that happens, as the king says that, then a servant there in the palace says, oh, Haman, uh, the gallows are completed that you wanted to have Mordecai hung on, the 75-foot gallows. And this is the same Mordecai that just was honored earlier that day for saving the king's life. Well, Haman, the king, orders him to be hung on the gallows that he built. And Esther, she ends up saving uh, all of her people, the Jews, from being killed. Mordecai ends up becoming one of the most trusted advisors for Artaxerxes. And so that's kind of where the story goes. But again, read it for yourself if you never have. It, It really is a beautiful story of trust in God. And the first time I heard it at seven years old, it ever since then, Esther has been one of those favorite Bible stories for me. And I remember after that, wanting to read more from the Bible. If there was this amazing story of Esther, if, the, if, if this could be in the Bible, what else might be in there? And I think that's what has to happen for each of us at some point in our lives. For Scripture to come alive for us, we need to have some dynamic encounter with something in the Bible, something that makes us want to go deeper and read more and learn more. And so what has helped you in your love for reading Scripture? What has come across, when have you come across something, a story or a teaching, something from the Bible that really caught your attention? We'd like to talk with you about that today and hear how you have grown in your love for Scripture. And we're talking with one of our spiritual directors here, Father J.P. Mitchell. He's a priest of Opus Dei as a numerary, uh, lives in the Opus Dei Center uh, in the Chicago area, and works uh, with all kinds of different pastoral activities with Opus Dei. Father J.P., welcome to The Inner Life today. And uh, as we start to look at Scripture... Um, what, what's maybe the first thing that you would say somebody would need to know if they're just coming at the Bible for the first time? Um, thank you very much, Josh. Um, well, the first thing is that it's God revealing himself to us. In fact, I was overhearing the program with Patrick Madrid right before this, and he was talking about how sacred scripture, the Bible, is revelation. And it's 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 a huge collection of different books. You have the Old Testament, the New Testament, and so they're all different kinds of styles. They're all different kinds of stories. Some are very exciting, but then there are other parts that are could be a little more boring because they're just long, long lists of things. You know, in certain books of the Old Testament, or other things we don't understand, and other things we do. So, but um, it's not just a, a a random collection of things. There's a unity to it, and that unity is that God is revealing himself to us through what is written there. And he wants to tell us something about him, and he wants to tell us something about ourselves. And so when we go to, the, when, when, when we open up the Bible, the, 
a collection of all different kinds of books, uh, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, I encourage whoever it is, I encourage myself, you know, to begin again in this, is to have that, all right, God, what do you want to show me? What do you want to tell me? And uh, and sometimes it may be crystal clear, and other times it may not be, you know, and i got to think about it and chew on it for a while or ask somebody else or read other things and... Um, but 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 it's that is that this is the word of God and um, and anyway that also leads us to the center of the of, of Scripture is the Word made flesh is Jesus Christ right He is He is the key to to understanding all the Bible but uh, but it's God telling us about Himself. Well, and so you know you talk about it being a collection and that might be something else for us to discuss just for a moment here. When we talk about the Bible today, a lot of times we can think of it as one book. You know, I, I think for anybody who has been alive uh, up to this point, especially in uh, modern society, there's never been separate books of the Bible or separate letters where we have to go and compile them ourselves. You know, the church has defined what those books that make up this library of books, what that is. And, you know, they're written in different languages. They were written over several thousand years by people in all different walks of life, in different circumstances. And so while we look at that Bible as something that is compiled for us today, do you think it's important for us to have that historical context of some of the different books before we go to, you know, into deep dive reading? Can we just jump in without knowing very much of the history associated with some of the different books of the Bible? You can... You can de- you can get something out of it. Um, there's an interesting balance that we want to have when we read the Bible because there is, uh, you know, the historical, traditional way of a uh, historical critical way of reading the Bible is is yes, those things are written down by particular people for a particular public um, with something in mind, um, and in that particular historical context. At the same time, and so it's very, thus it can it's very useful and important to know or have an idea of who's writing it and to whom, and how it relates to other texts at the time, even non-biblical texts. Okay, um, but at the same time, that doesn't mean there isn't something that that I can get out of it, uh, something that's meant for me to understand as well. Right. So the historical element is important. But we don't want to, I don't think we want to, and Pope Benedict XVI would say this, we don't want to overemphasize it because it can trap it into its own time and thus think that it has nothing to say to me now. Because, and that would be the theological aspect, that it does have something to say to me now. So there's, there's both, and I think it's important to have both. As we look then at reading the Bible, um, well, I've got a couple of different questions for you here. One is, if I'm just approaching it for the first time, or I've I've done a little reading, and I know that it really hasn't captured my attention or my interest in the past. What is a good place for us to start if we want to start reading? Should we just start at the very beginning with Genesis? Should we start and get to know our Lord in his life with one of the Gospels? Uh, should we dive into some of St. Paul's writings so that we deal with more of a moral theology and some of the teachings that he passed on to so many of the early churches? I heard, uh, I was, uh, once I heard a priest ask, anyway, an older priest, much more experienced than me, who was asked the same question, you know, where to, where to start? And, um, and he gave, well, he said there's no wrong answer. <laughs> he says it's all from God. Now, he also has his own experience, so he went on to explain what he thought. And um, uh, 
And so you might get different answers from different people. But um, I would say to go to the Gospels first or go to maybe if you go to the Gospel of Luke where you do get kind of a fuller story of, of, um, of, of, the, of the account of, of Christ. Because to, I would say, when, why do I say go to the Gospels or to one of the Gospels first? You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which have to do with Jesus' life, you know, and, and, and different accounts of his life and things that he did and said. Well, because he is the center of all of Scripture, okay? Now, um, even the Old Testament, right? He is, he, is, uh, he is the fulfillment of the promises and of the prophecies that the Old Testament is talking about. And to fully understand the Old Testament, it has to be read in the light of Christ. And, um, and so we want to go to him and get to know him. And plus, this is God-made man. So this is God-made man, and then I want to get to know, you know, I want to get to know God. Well, he's revealing himself to me through this man, who, who's both man and God. Um, so I would suggest, I mean, maybe depending on the person, talking to the person one-on-one, but I would suggest kind of going back and forth. You start with Luke, and then maybe you go to the Acts of the Apostles. This is how the Christians lived immediately after, you know, Christ's death and resurrection, and this is the first community, and then, and then you can reference definitely the Old Testament. We'll go back to the Gen- back to Genesis. Um, anyway, it, it, it's kind of a mix mash, but um, yeah, I don't know if that's helpful. Perhaps you have you you also have your I, I like what you're saying uh, about you know. I think I would focus. Well, if if we if we find ourselves where we're getting to know Jesus first of all, um, I think you're exactly right because if we go and read the Old Testament and we don't have the context of some of the different prophecies that have been fulfilled, you know, where even, uh, you know, we're coming up on next week, we'll be going through the Triduum, and the psalm, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, Jesus cries that from the cross. Um, You know, there's certain things where if we know what Jesus has said, if we understand what those things are, it would seem to me that we would have the ability then to appreciate on such a deeper level so much of what we see as foreshadowing and then fulfillment with Christ, but foreshadowing yeah. in the Old Testament. Yes, yeah, no, it's, it's a wonderful point. And yeah, as you say, especially especially in the Triduum, especially in, in Jesus' passion, his death, um, you, you just get a sense that he is, not that he was before, but especially then that he's very purposeful in making sure that he is fulfilling certain promises from the Old Testament and making references to them. Um, and so when you get it first in, in, in the New Testament and you see it, and even there are references in the actual text sometimes in the New Testament, that's extremely helpful to see, oh, wow, this was said thousands of years before, and, uh, and he's a fulfillment of that. There's a connection. J.P. Mitchell, and he's a priest of the Opus Dei community in Chicago, and we're talking about reading the Bible and how we can make it more of a regular part of our lives. Uh, What has helped you grow in your love of reading Scripture? When have you come across a story from the Bible or maybe some teaching that really has caught your attention? What's helped you make that part of a, a daily routine, reading the Bible, learning from Scripture, encountering Christ? How has it helped you encounter Christ? You can give us a call and share how you have grown in your love for Scripture, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. You can also email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. More on 
reading scripture here on The Inner Life right after this on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. If you're looking for a little help on your journey of faith, our priests are here for you. Call now. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. Or email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond along with our spiritual director, Father J.P. Mitchell, priest of Opus Dei, located in the Chicago area. And we're talking about Scripture, how Scripture can impact our lives, and want to know, how have you been able to grow in your love of reading the Bible? When have you come across that story or that teaching from the Bible that really caught your attention? How have you been able to make reading the Bible part of your daily routine? And how has it helped you grow in your love for Christ? The phone number, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Father J.P., as we're talking, you know, I shared that story of, of being introduced to the story of Esther from the Scriptures at the beginning of the hour. Is there anything that's really stood out to you? Have you had that kind of moment where you read something or somebody else introduced you to a part of the Bible and it just all of a sudden captured your attention, captured your imagination, and you said, okay, now I really want to dive in deeper? Uh, yes, um... I really like the fact, yeah, that uh, that Esther story um, also struck me. Uh, sort of the Susanna, which is today's reading, um, the Susanna story. But the one that really struck, that I remember as a, I don't know how old I was, but uh, uh, one of the most well-known parables that Jesus teaches is the parable of the prodigal son, the merciful father. And uh, there were certain aspects of that that really jumped out at me as a kid. And one of them being, um, well, as we know in the story, the younger son decides decides to leave, and so he asks his father for his inheritance, um, what will fall to him, you know, later on, assuming you know, or, or when 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 his father would die. And so he asks for it right away, and he gets it. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, if I asked my dad for my inheritance now, <laughs> uh, there's no way I'd get it. You know, I said, this is an amazing father. He's he's giving this guy his inheritance now. Um, so that didn't lead me to any, I guess, um, deep, deep reflections at the time, but later it certainly did because it was one of the, you know, uh, one of the manifestations of of God the Father's merciful love, right? And later, when He welcomes that son back and and um, and forgives him and hugs him and kisses him, you know, that was definitely a big moment. Um, I also identified, or I don't identified with, but. But, but um, you know, understood to a certain extent, or thought I did. Uh, now I think I understand it better. The the older son, the older son was, you know, was upset. He said, you know, Dad, well, like, what the heck? Uh, my younger brother has wasted all your money, comes back, and you throw a party, and it doesn't seem fair, you know. And um, and then here I am, and I've been, and uh, you know, and I've been working, and I haven't gotten a, you know, you haven't given me a goat to celebrate with my friends, and. 
and so I, I I thought that wasn't fair either. But then, as as I've gotten older, I realized, well, you know, you, you see, neither son is happy, and the older son isn't happy because he he, he hasn't embraced his his situation. He hasn't he hasn't accepted it, and and the reflection of Pope Benedict helped me think about it too. He said, well, he may even envy his younger brother, you know. Um, and um, but but he's clearly unhappy, and there's a reason for that, you know. And so anyway, the parable of the prodigal son is 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 a, is a big story. Now it's definitely something that struck me in, in a big way, and has continued to strike me in many different ways. Yeah, no, that I I think that like I said, you have to have those those encounters, and sometimes I've had that even where there will be something I've read multiple times, you know, and. I could yeah, have yeah. come across that that story or that parable or you know something in the Bible, and I've read it maybe fifteen, twenty, thirty different times. But all of a sudden, on that you know the thirty first time that I read it, for whatever reason, <laughs> all of a sudden there's something that I just never noticed before, and it pops out, and and you say, why have I never paid attention to that aspect? Because that gives such a different. Uh, a different understanding, or it sheds new light on this that that breathes something new into it for me to take away. Um, have you had those experiences? I, I, I hear you saying yes, so I'm presuming you identify with that as well. Certainly, um, certainly, and that only that only happens, I think, if you're reading it on a regular basis, you know, and um, and and. and and going to it every day and trying to reflect on it and leaving time to 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 talk to God about whatever it is he's, that he said that he himself said that the son said or that he did and um and yes that happened it happened with the prodigal son it's happened oh gosh I don't know it's happened with so many different scenes uh one which came to mind is also John chapter 6 where Jesus talks about the bread that he will give us is our flesh and how just how insistent he is he says it over and over again, even though there's that initial kind of surprise. You know, how will this guy give us his flesh to eat? And then he says, he talks about the bread that he'll give being his flesh. He says it like four more times, you know, over and over and over again, how he insists. And how, every, you know, and, and how everybody leaves and how, gosh, that must have been really tough for, for our Lord, but it must have been really tough for the apostles. Where, where's everyone going? Everything seems to be falling apart, you know? <laughs> um, and then St. Peter comes in with that phrase, you know, you are the Son of God. And so... Um, where else will we go, you know? So, anyway, that's definitely also a passage that's been, that I go back to a lot. So I do have, like, as you were asking, and and, and hopefully we'll hear it from some callers, there are passages that I go to frequently, and I think, I definitely encourage people to find those, that, those passages that speak to them, and it's fine to go back to them over and over and over again. We're talking with our spiritual director, Father J.P. Mitchell, about reading Scripture, how we can incorporate that more actively into our lives, how we can grow in our love for the Bible and lead us into a deeper relationship with Christ. And, Father, let's go to the phones. We've got Gary, who's listening in Naperville, Illinois. Hi, Gary. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Hi, Josh. Uh, Yeah, I just wanted to say I'm 62 years old, and uh, in 1987, I've been married 35 years, uh, my wife wanted us to, you know, start a family, and I was really nervous about all that, finances and that sort of thing. And I had a Bible sitting on a coffee table, and I've never forgotten it. I decided, well, I wasn't getting dog-eared, and uh, I decided to pick it up, and I opened it up, and the chap, 
the verse and chapter that I read was Matthew six twenty four to thirty four, where you know God says you uh, can't any of you worry about adding a single moment to your lifespan. And I won't repeat the whole uh, phrase, but it is it says do not worry whether we are to say or what we are to, to eat, what we are to drink, what we are to wear. All these things these pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. And I just realized I hadn't trusted God, and I needed to trust God. And I know that passage, when I just opened it up, that wasn't a coincidence that happened. That was some um, divine guidance. And kind of since then, uh, what I tried to do was make sure I read the daily uh, um, mass readings. So that's one thing I would recommend people doing. And kind of when you do that, uh, if you're fortunate enough, you can listen to Father Simon, and he can expound on it and have you look at uh, the Bible in a completely different way and give you a big background. So that's kind of a bonus if you kind of read the daily Mass readings. And um, That's kind of all I really wanted to say. Well, thanks a lot, Gary. Um, so when you read that that passage from the Gospel of Matthew, um, not to say that there has to be feelings involved in this, but, uh, but, but was there... A, so there was a sense of confidence, essentially, that you got from it. The Holy Spirit was definitely working there? Well, there wasn't any question in my mind then, and there's no question in my mind now um, that I, I think for all of us, God gives some sort of, you know, we know there's divine intervention. And in this case, I know there's divine intervention for me to trust God more. And, uh, you know, I was a practicing Catholic, uh, still in my mid-20s, and really had always gone to daily Mass, but I wasn't a big uh, Bible reader. And uh, I, um, you know, at that point, I know it was to read the Bible more, but it was also more to trust God. And uh, mm. that's, you know, that's what, I did. that's what I did. So it was just, it was more, and this verse is the one that's always spoken to me, and like you said, you have passages you go back to, so sometimes when I'm ever feeling anxious, I, I, I go back to that passage. That's great. That's great. Thanks, Gary. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And, you know, I, I've had those moments too, uh, Father, where I will happen to just, you know, you, you flip to wherever in the Bible and you start reading, and something really does speak to you at that moment. And obviously that's going to be the Holy Spirit working and, and allowing you to have those words that apply to whatever the situation is that you might be going through. But um, one of the things that I think we should be careful of um, is not to always approach the Bible like that. If we're going to read the Bible on a daily basis, we're going to find those things, and it's going to ground us better to understand. um, You know, you talked about it being a collection and having that unity through all the different writings, all the different books. So we don't want to always just be, you know, day after day, just flipping to a new book with a new chapter and trying to say, okay, you know, <laughs> let's let's throw a dart on the board and see what God wants to say to me today. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, sometimes people can, you know, or we or I can, you can get, like, moments like Gary, it definitely happened to me. You said it's happened to you. Um and uh, and we need to be open to those moments. That doesn't mean that every time, you know, it, it's not a matter of becoming superstitious about it, you know, and or, or being nervous. I don't know, what, what am I going to open right now, and what's it going to tell me? Um, our, our Lord wants us to be at peace, you know. He wants us to find him and uh, and to get to know him. And, yes, it, 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 there is a certain 
especially in, in the books themselves, there is a there's an order. And so um, I think normally, in normal circumstances, it makes sense to follow that order. Um, but yeah. Our spiritual director today, Father J.P. Mitchell, we're taking your calls on how you have been able to grow in your love for Scripture. What has been that story or that passage that's helped you out in your life, helped you to grow closer to Christ? You can give us a call, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, and we'll have more on reading the Bible and how it applies to our lives, along with your phone calls here on The Inner Life, right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Hi, Father Rocky. Thank you for having this nightly rosary prayer. Live, interactive, the family rosary across America. If you're just tuning in in your car somewhere in America, you're wondering what on earth is going on. This is the family rosary across America. My name is Father Rocky. I'm in Green Bay, and Karen Moran's my co-host. She's in Phoenix, and we've got tens of thousands of people tuning in around the country right now, bringing their prayer intentions to us, and we're all hoping for miracles, and maybe you need one right now, too, and we're going to pray for you. I would like to pray for the end of the coronavirus, my family, and all the kids with cancer. The Family Rosary Across America with Father Rocky. I just asked that. To bless you, Father Rocky, Relevant Radio, and also all the listeners. I love praying the rosary with everyone. The Family Rosary Across America with Father Rocky. 7 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Inner Life Show or email us inner life at relevantradio.com this is the inner life on relevant radio welcome back to the inner life i'm josh raymond along with our spiritual director father jp mitchell an opus day priest in the chicago area i want to say thanks to nick schmitz jim shaper and jake moore as they're helping to uh run the show behind the scenes here. And, of course, want to thank you for listening. If you've missed anything earlier in the show and you'd like to go back, you can always download the podcast at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. And, in fact, if you'd like to even let us know of a future topic, I've heard from some of you, and we've got some uh, different topics that you've sent through that we're going to be looking at in the coming weeks and months. But if you've got a topic you'd like to hear us discuss here on The Inner Life, something that can help us on our journey in getting to know Christ better, our, our journey towards heaven, you can email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. And Father JP, let's go back to the phones. We've got Chris, who's listening in New Jersey. Hi, Chris. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Well, welcome. Thank you for taking my phone call. I had, I had two items um, uh, daily, on a daily basis for Scripture. I use the Office of the Readings. And uh, which is, it, you know, there's structure in it, the seasonal and uh, according to the church calendar, which has been a great benefit, great blessing for me. And I've been doing that for, I would say, 10 or 15 years. And then for my study of scripture, which has been re- real helpful, I've, I've, um, I've been involved in a men's Bible study, and which we've been going on 15 plus years. And it began with just three of us, and now it's up to 12 to 15 men who on a Saturday morning will we'll get together and, and study Scripture. And uh, during the whole COVID situation, we were able to do it on by conference call or Zoom. 
And but it, the the method of scripture study is that we use the Ignatian Ignatius study Bible, which gets us into the Old Testament gets in the cross references and the the catechism references and the early church father references and and uh, so it's a great benefit and it's an eye opener. Um, we've been on the book of uh, the Gospel of Luke for for over a year and only halfway through, so it's a study, but also a sharing. And um, just a, you know, the experience is falling in love with the Lord more, and the and and uh, so it's just a great it's a great gift. It's a great gift to be able to study Scripture with men, and and to see the traditions of the church and the church's understanding, even in the early church, how they opened up, how they they were able to see the old and the new and um, how it was fulfilled in the New Testament. So it's, uh, it's a great blessing, great gift. That's wonderful. Um, thanks for sharing that. What kind of structure do you follow uh, in, the, uh, in the Bible study? Um, is, is it a different person who well, prepares it each time? Um, is it simply just reading and commenting? Yeah, it's, it's actually, you know, we'll, we'll take a chapter at a time, and it may take us a week or two or three to get through a chapter. And we'll read it through each 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 day, or each uh, Saturday morning. And then we'll the Ignatius Study Bible has a lot of footnotes, so we reflect on those, we read those, share those, yeah. look at insights that hey, what hits us. Uh, we'll do cross references, whether it's into the Old Testament or other readings in the New Testament. And it's really it's just breaking open the Word together and and and. Um, and studying, but it's you know it's very solid Catholic. You know we're into the Catechism constantly, and uh, which is great. So it gets us into the Catechism, so we under, we have an understanding of of what the Church's teachings are even more fully. And uh, so That's I would highly recommend the uh, yeah yeah it's a great gift. It really is. You know it's uh, um, uh, has really strengthened us in our relationship as men and and also our relationship with the Lord. So. Uh, um, and our understanding of Scripture and, and the beauty of it and the depths of it. And we feel like we've just scratched the surface when we get done with one book. Oh, well, you know, I just, there's so much more that we could just spend more and more time on. So, uh, it's, uh... <laughs> yeah, well, Chris, thanks so much for calling in and sharing. And uh, Father JP, one of the things that Chris mentioned there too is the Ignatius Study Bible. I, I have a New Testament copy yes. of that. And just like, Chris was saying, being able to go through and read through some of the different um, the footnotes that they have, you know, sometimes it'll give explanation on something that might be an obscure word or phrase. Uh, there are times where you're able to read what some of the church fathers or doctors of the church have written in regards to some of the practical applications or the spiritual applications. There's a number of different things. So, yeah, I can't recommend that highly enough. It's helped me in my own reading of the New Testament. But that also got me thinking there's so many different versions of the Bible that we can come across out there at different bookstores, uh, even Christian or Catholic bookstores. Um, There's different translations. There's some Bibles that have more books, some that have less books in them. So what's a good place for us to start when we're looking and saying, yeah, I want to read the Bible, but I want to read what the church would say, this is the best Bible for me to have as a layperson? Right. Well, I've been asked that question before, and what I did was, well, I went to, I Googled it, and I said, USCCB approved editions of 
of the Bible. You know, and, 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 and there's a list there. It's a list of, of, of editions that have been approved by the church, um, different translations. And there, and there are even some, you've got to be careful, because there's some translations that even have Catholic in their name but are not approved by the Catholic church, right? Um, or if you open the Bible, uh, there should be in the first couple of pages what's called an imprimatur, Okay, which is a kind of like a command form, you know, let it be printed, and um, and that is the approval from the ecclesiastical authority of the church. And so, it, it's it is important to to you know to make sure that the, the church is you know, the, the authority has given it that kind of seal of approval because it does have that authority. Christ gave it, you know, uh, gave the church the authority to bind and to loose, and um, and that comes with regards to interpretation of scripture to translations that can help lead towards the proper understanding inter- and, um, and interpretation of it. Um, so anyway, I think one which is used a lot is the New Revised Standard Version, but um, anyway, there are other ones too. Uh, but I would recommend looking up that list because it is useful to know, particularly when you're searching when you want to buy one. And that's on the website of the USCCB, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. You said that, that you found that list? That's where I found it. Yep, I didn't have it memorized. <laughs> I didn't receive it before, and so I looked for it right there. Um, yep. Even Wikipedia has it, and Wikipedia has, uh, and 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 it's accurate. I uh, I double checked it. Um. <laughs> good, good. Well, so then, yeah, if you just uh, do a, an online search, you should be able to find a number of different resources for uh, church-approved Bibles out there. Let's go back to the phones, Father, and if you'd like to join the conversation here, you can give us a call, 888-914-9149, as we're talking about uh, how we have been able to grow in our love for Christ by reading Scripture. And Amy is listening to us in St. Louis, Missouri. Hi, Amy. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Hi, Josh. Hi, Father. Um, Thanks for taking my call. I just got really inspired when you guys started talking. I'm like, I better call in. yeah, one particular time, I'm in my 40s now, but I was in high school, and I had a horrible dream. And I mean, I woke up out of it thinking it was real. And I went down and woke my mom up, and I told her about the dream. And I said, this is, you know, it's really hard. And she t- took her Bible out immediately, sat down with me, read Psalm 91 um, under God's protection. And I just, it was, a be- I'm in my car now, so I can't really read it all out. But it was beautiful. And it, I really took it to heart, and I had complete peace and uh knew God was going to take care of me and went right back to bed. And I always refer to that anytime I feel like I'm getting attacked or any kind of uh, fear or anything, and it takes it right away. Um, The other thing is when I was, um, I have three sons, so when I was a young mom with two-year-old, one-year-old, going to Mass on Sundays was, you know, kind of difficult, a little distracting sometimes. So there was, um, they have the monks here in St. Louis at the St. Louis Abbey, and I was, I go there a lot for Mass and Vespers, and there was a woman there who had five sons, and she said, you know, I'm tired of waiting for moms to come to the school because it starts in seventh grade. She goes, we need these young moms with babies. Let's 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 get them together. And she started a Lexio Divina group, and we went once a week um, and spent probably an hour and a half on meditating on all the um, readings for Sunday Mass. So we were able to go through those and be prepared for Sunday. So I thought that was really helpful as a mom to have other you know moms who had experience we could talk to and then also go over Scripture. And we would keep all those um, different things we wrote down in our notebooks in the Bible. And that way, every year we went through the same ones, we would grow a little bit farther. And the other neat thing, um, how you said, Josh, I think, uh, where when you read the Bible, you could, it, it hits you different, like every time, just about, you know, different ways. Um, I felt like that 
but I, in a different way when when we were, um, you know, if you had, you know, I didn't agree with my husband's point of view or I got upset about something. As soon as I went to lecture Divina, I saw it in God's point of view, and I'm like, oh, I love him. I go back and I'm like, oh, I totally understand now what you're trying to say, but the Holy Spirit always guided me, and I'm like, I was so mad at you when I left, but now I love you after going over this, this scripture. So it was just really neat kind of to experience that in a different way. So I felt very blessed to have God give me those opportunities and, you know, parents and friends to kind of help you learn about God and, and, and give you the right area for you to look in. So, and then the one last thing I'm going to say is Psalm 23. Uh, my spiritual director, we went over that several times and I said, Father, I can't get through the line that says the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, and that word what keeps coming up because I always want it faster or this way, or I want to know right away that you have this, you know, yeah, my back, and so that's my difficult one. So I've been still meditating on Psalm 23 for several years now. So, but I'll leave you with that. So thank you very much for having this topic on, Amy. And uh, <laughs> Father, uh, we're we're getting towards the end of the hour here. But one of the things that Amy brought up that I think might be good for us to talk about and just give a little explanation. She mentioned Lexio Divina, and can you give us a little bit yeah. of background on what that is for somebody who might not be familiar with that that term? Sure. Um, so the Lexio Divina, which is uh, Latin for divine reading, and um, and really it's a way in which um, it's a way in which we get more immersed into in, into scripture, into a passage that we read, um, and there can be different. I mean, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, there can be kind of more structured ways to do it, or more looser ways to do it, but really it's it's. The idea is to read a passage and to leave some time for reflection um, and then to use what I'm reflecting on as really like a conversation point, you could say, with God, you know. And so um, cause there, there are spiritual writers, and this is a common distinction that's made, is meditation is extremely important, but it's not actually prayer. Okay, and or at least in, in 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 the technical sense, when I meditate on, I reflect, you know, I read a passage, I think about it, and you know, what is our Lord saying? Or, but but then, whatever I reflect on or I'm contemplating, I want to use it to be able to say something, or it doesn't need to be with words necessarily. Maybe it was just a desire, or you know, a tug of the heart, or something. But 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 that leads me to say something to our Lord, based on what was there, you know. Or Lord, I see how compassionate you are, how patient you are with Saint Peter. Help me be patient with my with my spouse, or help me be patient with with my friend, or whatever it might be. But it leads us to that encounter. So we read something. It might just be one phrase, maybe it's a whole paragraph. But we read something, we reflect on it, and then we try to bring it to our Lord. We say, okay, let's let's talk about this, and then. Um, and then afterwards we can continue to contemplate on it. But that's a general idea of Lectio Divina. I think sometimes people can hear it. It's in Latin. Oh, no, what does it mean? It's really that in its in its essence. And it's wonderful to do, whether you call it Lectio Divina or something else. You know, it's, it's, yeah, I'd say it's necessary for, for, for growth in our friendship with God and our relationship with Christ. Yeah, one of those moments that I experienced that um, was actually reading through, and I, I forget which account. I don't have it here in front of me. But um, there's the different accounts of the transfiguration, depending on which gospel that you're reading through. And mm-hmm. there was one point where, in one of them, uh, whoever the author is says, 
when Peter says, let's build three tents here, you know, one for you, one for Elijah, and one for Moses. And it says that he didn't realize what he was saying. Peter didn't realize. And I, I just spent a lot of time kind of reflecting and saying, what? Why would he not? I, it seems like he knows what he's saying. Why would, it, why, why would the author then take that and say he doesn't realize? And the thing that kind of came back to me was, oh, You've got Moses and Elijah, the full, kind of the, the two figureheads of the Law and the Prophets, and they're being kind of put on the same level as Jesus Christ, the eternal incarnate Son of God who existed before and will you know exist for all eternity, and hopefully us in heaven with him. But he had no beginning, um, and, and so it, it, it helped me come to a better understanding, at least from my own personal standpoint, of, of what... Uh, maybe was being expressed there in that scripture. So taking that time to reflect, it really does help us. Father J.P. Mitchell, our spiritual director today, and as we're down to the last 30 seconds here, Father, can I ask you to give a final blessing for all of our listeners? Oh, of course. May the blessing of Almighty God descend upon you and remain on you forever in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father J.P. Mitchell, for being our spiritual director today and uh, helping us just uh, look at how Scripture can be such an insight into the life of Christ, how we can make it more of our own lives. Stay tuned. Mass is coming up next. Father Edward Looney is our celebrant today. And tomorrow, we'll be talking about confession, going to the confessional here on The Inner Life. Father Ben Cameron will be our spiritual director. And of course, remember, make sure you're praying that daily rosary. You'll change your life and you'll change the world. Pray the rosary. We'll see you here tomorrow on The Inner Life.